0: Welcome to Safe Dividend Investings Podcast number 88 on November 2nd of 2022. Today, I will be answering five interesting investment questions.. Question number one: How can you get rid of negative items that are affecting your credit score? Your credit score is based on the information in your credit report. The data from credit reports comes from your payment experiences with your bank and from filed public records. If you default on a loan, write bad checks, are slow in paying your credit cards, and apply for too many institutions for credit, these are all taken into consideration and erode your score. If you've been sued, gone bankrupt, had liens registered against you, these public records also end up in your report. If you've been placed with a collection agency, these claims will most likely end up in your credit report. The credit agency's computer system just chugs along gathering information and adjusting your score. Laws limit how many years the negative data can remain in your credit report, but this depends on the jurisdiction you are in. If erroneous information gets in your report, it is not an easy task to get it removed. With hundreds of millions of files, some data errors are going to occur. That is why you should check your credit report frequently, especially if your credit application is not accepted. Recognize that to handle your complaints is a money-losing proposition for the credit reporting agency. It is an expense, not a source of revenue for them. They have no incentive to make it easy for you. If bank data is a source of the error, ask the bank to correct it for you. Banks are customers of the credit reporting agency. Since they may be spending millions of dollars with the credit reporting agency for credit data, they have the leverage on the credit reporting agency that you don't have. Credit reporting agencies are licensed. If your request for a correction is getting nowhere with the credit reporting agency, write a letter to the government licensing agency who have the ultimate leverage of threatening to take away their license. You should find them with a quick Google search. The negatives only disappear from consideration of your score after several years of prompt payment of your debts. Be wary of any company offering to fix your credit score. It could be a scam. Question number two. What are some good reasons to buy individual stocks rather than index funds, large, medium, small caps, mutual funds, and so on? I am a believer in scoring stocks and only carefully buying financially strong, high-dividend stocks that I intend to hold for the rest of my life. I've lived very well off the dividends of these financially strong stocks for the last 20 years. What I do not like about index funds and mutual funds is that there are too many moving parts to score and measure. I end up with zero control or confidence in these investment vehicles. Typically, a mutual fund has perhaps 10% to 30% of its money in a few high-profile companies to capture the attention of insecure, prospective investors and give the fund the feeling of some legitimacy. The remaining 70% is spread among dozens or even hundreds Of mediocre companies. I believe they do this not only to brag that they are diversified, but probably with the hope that one of these mediocre gems that will rise in the herd like a shooting star and pull up the rest. Unfortunately, this diversity almost guarantees that your returns will be mediocre at best. If in retirement, you are expected to survive by liquidating 4% of your mutual fund's portfolio's units each year. This results in the shrinking of your portfolio, whose erosion is further compounded by annual investment advisor and fund management fees every year. These fees could range between 2% and 4% of the value of your portfolio. We must also not forget the ravages of inflation that has averaged 3.5% over the last 100 years. How much is your mutual fund returning to you after all these attacks on it? Only by being a self-directed investor can you escape this constant erosion of your portfolio by investment advisory fees over your lifetime the financial industry could eat up hundreds of thousands of dollars of your money over the next 20 years. This is money that could have been invested making money for you. Investment costs are more than just important. Why do so many investors put their money into mutual funds, ETFs, hedge funds, and index funds? I think It is because no one has ever taught them how to analyze commercial risk and how this risk applies to investing in stocks. Who's going to teach them? It sure isn't the investment industry who deliberately create a dependent relationship with the typical, insecure, ill-informed investor. These fearful investors are encouraged to believe that without the investment advisor's wise guidance and restraint that these impulsive, foolish investors would lose all their life savings. No one is explaining to these investors the benefits and strengths of diversification. No one is opening their eyes to the historical perspective that stock markets rise and fall on the frantic bidding of optimistic and pessimistic speculators who are being manipulated by rumors more than facts. No one shows them how dropping share prices have almost zero long-term impact on the financial strength of a company. Companies who have shown for decades that they will do and pay steady dividends through market crashes and How after these market crashes, their share prices always rise to new records. The historical information is there, easily and freely available, if you are taught how to look for it. As an informed, self-directed investor in stocks, it is not difficult to realize a 6% annual dividend income and see your portfolio also grow by about 12% each year. You will also know exactly what you are invested in and why you are invested in it. Careful, self-directed investing keeps you constantly ahead of inflation because dividend payouts rise faster than share prices. Interestingly, a company doesn't have to be huge to be safer and a better stock to own. There are about 16,000 stocks you can buy in North America. There are fewer than 100 even worth considering for portfolio of financially strong, high-dividend stocks. You can get more detailed information on safe, easy, effective, self-directed investing from my website. Question number three. Can stocks fall after an earning report is released even if it's better than expected? Earning reports are not directly linked to stock prices. They might influence some optimistic speculators, but what causes a stock price to increase or decrease is whether a pessimistic speculator views the current price as too high or an optimistic speculator views the current price as too low. The pessimists, if they own the stock, sell it for fear, They will lose money by owning it. The optimists buy the stock for fear that they might miss an opportunity to make money if the price increases and they don't own it. Their transactions take place in the auction vehicle of a stock exchange. What is interesting is that a buyer cannot acquire the stock unless a pessimist sells it. Thus, speculators keep adjusting their bids for a stock until it meets an optimist or a pessimist trigger level. Speculator activity has very little to do with earning reports, profits, losses, dividends, or any other important changes taking place in the company. As much as a company executive wishes They could control share prices. This is how, during a market crash, financially strong stocks are able to pay their regular dividends despite their share prices dropping by 50%. It is the wise decisions by the executives regarding revenues and expenses that creates the profits, not the speculators. Question number four, how closely do you monitor your investments? Do you have a set time each day, each week, each month that you check on them, or does it depend on how active they are at the time of checking? Perhaps every four months I may rescore all the stocks in my portfolio. What I do daily is look at the total value of the portfolio and the total amount of cash it is delivered from the previous day. Most days, I expect to see no change in cash and to see the total value of the portfolio changing as per the media reports on changes in the stock exchange. I usually watch the stock trading results marching across my television set as I am having my breakfast. I go to bed late and I get up late. If anything unusual occurs, I may look closer at the 20 stocks in my portfolio, but such occurrences are rare. I can give such minimal attention to my portfolio because for about 20 years I've only invested in financially strong stocks, paying high dividends. This has given me a steady six-digit annual income, while the portfolio has increased by about 500%. The dividends have kept me well ahead of inflation. When I buy a stock, my intention is to hold it forever. I have faith in the quality of the stocks. Even during market crashes and recessions, the dividends are steadily paid, even rising in some cases, despite the share prices dropping by as much as 50%. Why don't I panic? because I can look back over decades of share prices and dividend payouts and see that in all cases, the share price has recovered and again reached new highs. Knowing this removes the motivation to overmanage the portfolio. I long ago recognized that dividends are paid from profits Profits are derived from the wise expense and revenue decisions made by company executives. It is the mass hysteria of speculators being motivated by the media and others who drive share prices up and down, not the company's executives. I ignore hysteria in my investing. Question number five. What would happen if I followed your investment advice? A while back, I received an email from one of my readers who related what happened when he tested my advice of investing in financially strong stocks paying high dividends. He wrote the following. I did do a trial run following your book's advice. In August, following your book's advice, here is what I did. Number one, I selected what I identified for your book as the top 20 U.S. dividend-producing investments. Number two, next, I found an investment tracker app by the name of My Stocks Portfolio. Number three, next, I took my entire portfolio value of $1,316,000, and I invested it. Really, I just hypothetically invested $65,800 into each investment choice. Next, I just sat back and watched. Today, in December, the total value of my hypothetical dividends-producing investments is now... $1,598,706,000. One million five hundred ninety-eight thousand seven hundred six thousand dollars This is an increase my original investment of $1,316,511 by $282,195, which is an increase of 21.44%, plus I guess I would have been receiving 6% dividend payments too. I am not sure how to calculate the dividend returns, but if I am correct, and the calculation formula is to take my original investment of $1,316,511 and multiply this amount by 6%, this would equal seventy eight thousand nine hundred ninety dollars over a year. But since this trial or test was done over 105 days, I am thinking I should take the 105 days over the 365 days in a year, and this would equal 0.2877 of a full year. If I take this 0.2877 of a year and I apply it to $78,990, it equals... $22,723 of dividend income I would have made during this 105 days. Comparatively, I just looked at my actual portfolio, which is managed over the same period of time by my investment advisor. And the actual value of my investment portfolio today, in December, is $1,356,667, which is only an increase of 3.05%, or $40,155. Plus, remember, since I'm not currently invested in dividend income producing stock, I've also missed out receiving the 6%. Or the $22,723,000 and dividend payments too. Like this reader, I too have run similar tests and got similar results. My biggest test is that this is the way I've been investing for about 20 years, right through both the 2008 and 2020 market crashes. Yes, the value of such a portfolio can go up and down, but the dividends keep increasing because they are not contingent on share prices, which are controlled by impulsive speculators. Dividends are controlled by the skill of the executives in the companies. The value of the portfolio becomes almost irrelevant if your intention is to live off the predictable ever-increasing dividend payments. It is almost like buying an annuity, except your payments increase, and in an emergency you can always instantly draw cash from your portfolio. This safe style of investing has zero appeal to those who crave excitement and like living on the edge. It is totally contrary to the t- typical speculative approach of investing, which is to make money by constantly buying and selling stocks, thinking that you can somehow predict constant capital gain. Thanks for listening. If you wish more information on investing and stock scoring, please visit my website www safer better dividend investing dot com